0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan We also have physical reading plans available at both of our campuses every Sunday.
1: Yeah. And with that, if you have any questions that you would like to get answered about the Bible, email those questions to info at grove.church. That's info at grove.church. You can also hit us up on Facebook at uh, our Grove Church uh, Facebook page. You can
0: write in a handwritten letter if you want to. Yeah.
1: um, But who does that? No one. But But if you do, we'll definitely answer If that's what you want to do. If you're going to go to that extent... We will do that. But with that, man, I'm excited for this week. Um, Before we hop in the Bible talk, happy uh, Easter.
0: Yeah, this is dropping on Easter Sunday. Yeah, so So. maybe
1: um, when you're hearing this, happy belated Easter. Probably. Um, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Come on, somebody knows it. Um, Man, I'm excited. Love Easter. Love this time. Uh, It's our first time doing a podcast over Easter. Woo! Come on. Um, So maybe... We might have hidden an Easter egg somewhere on campus with a free drink card for the cafe. Maybe,
0: Uh, and the staff doesn't know that. Yeah, we haven't.
1: (laughs) Just kidding, man. Okay, let's let's move forward. Bible talk time. I'm excited, Evan. Take us away. All right, so we're going to start
0: off the Bible talk by getting into the book of Deuteronomy, which I said correctly, um, and we're going to talk this. You week. You struggled
1: of, a little bit last week with that.
0: Yeah, that was that was rough.
1: Deuteronomonopia. You know, that's pretty much
0: what. What you were are saying. you going to do? Uh, but this week we're going to talk about chapter six, and we're actually going to talk about a section called the Shema, which is um, it's a really cool section of the book because really, in it, at its essence it boils down the law to its essence. And that's not to say that other laws aren't important. That's not to say that um, the things that God commands us to do are less important necessarily than this, but um, really everything comes back to what is inside of this section of Scripture. And then the other thing I love about it is that God intentionally tells His people to pass these things down to their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, I think, is for all of us, it's a, it's a call to... Our ministry. Um, obviously, Connor, me and you were in full time vocational ministry, which is great. So we kind of get paid to do this. But yeah. uh, Christians in general, all of us are called to pass down the teachings of God uh, to our own children for sure. But even if you don't have children, it's just passing it down to younger generations. The idea is um, don't let people forget yeah. about the glory of what God's done. Just like, you know, and the first numbering of people in the book of numbers, they forgot. And we talked about them all the time. Uh, We're just making sure the same thing doesn't happen again.
1: Yeah. And it's, excuse me. It's one of those things that um, we think that Moses, you know, when he writes the, the, um, the Pentateuch, he didn't write it for himself. Right. He wrote it to pass it down To the future generations, because before this, just to kind of get into, um, you know, a little bit, everything in the Jewish tradition, just give you a little bit of history. uh, Everything was passed down through the oral tradition and Moses, he didn't put a stop to writing or to the, to the oral tradition, but he wrote things down so nobody would forget.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing with, um, if you've ever read like the Iliad or the Odyssey. Um, I believe those were orally translated for something like 400 years before they were written down. And it's a good thing they're written down because if, if they continued to just be spoken, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't have them today. And so there is a, a really important yeah. thing that Moses is doing here by actually writing down
1: yeah. these, these yeah. things. Fun fact. Also, if you've ever thought to yourself, man, I don't really know. Sometimes I doubt about who Jesus is. You brought up the Iliad and the Odyssey, um, which are written by... Homer. Homer. Right? Not Simpson. Not Simpson. Um, Homer, the, what is he? Is he a philosopher or? He's just a, like a poet. Yeah, whatever. Um, we have more indications and more record outside of the Bible that Jesus walked this earth than we do, um, number of times in the historical record of Homer walking this earth. Um, but nobody will ever doubt or debate that Homer was a real person, but they will about Jesus. So that's a nice little fun fact that if you ever come up against it, you can just say that sweet little fact, um, which doesn't really have a lot to do with anything, but you brought up the Iliad yeah. and Homer.
0: If you write a, if you write in a question about uh, I pre- some of the historical records that we have, we
1: will be happy to dive in a little bit deeper and into I've all maybe that. Maybe pre-answered somebody's question. Shazam. But with that, let's get into the Shema
0: So, the Shema. So, here is uh, the section of verses that it is. So, it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I think that just to kind of go back to um, really verse five, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And it it communicates this really important thing that for all of us to remember that at the end of the day, the law and our um, attempts to not sin has more to do with our hearts than it even has to do with physical action. And later in the Old Testament, I don't, we won't spoil everything, but like a lot of the themes of the prophets is like, oh, great, you sacrifice and you do the things, but you don't actually love God and you treat people horribly. Like, I I know that you don't actually mean these things. And what God is getting at here is that the essence of the, of the law is not just do these things, but rather it's love God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting where it says, um, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be, um, as frontlets between your eyes and you shall, uh, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And being in Israel, um, we actually got to go to the Western wall, which a lot of you, um, have heard it called the wailing wall. Um, and no whales there. though. No whales. I was disappointed. I was like, where's Shamu? Um, and it's really, it's really crazy. You go there and you see um, they have these leather straps that they wrap around their arms, and then it goes all the way up to their head, and they wrap it around their head. And on it, I don't even know if you know this, um, is a box, and inside the box is the shema. And then on every single doorpost in Israel, I promise you, it's like, and probably not every single one, but there's so many at
0: least practicing Jews. Yeah,
1: pra- but because the the Jewish culture has been so heavily influenced. Um, or the the Israel culture has been so heavily influenced by the Jews um, in a positive way. The Shema is um, at an angle on every single doorpost as you leave a room, and what happens is you go there, you press it, and you and you pray. Essentially, you say a quick prayer, and what this is, it's exactly what Evan said. It is just a practice of continually passing down the law to the next generation. And it's so beautiful, um, and so often we think like, oh, you know, Jewish religion is so staunch and, you know, it's law-driven, as we would say. But the reality is, it's actually... um, they. We can learn something from them. Yeah. We can learn about, man, teaching the next generation because you go to the Western Wall and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with this on their head and this leather strap on their arm. And what is it? It's really them just passing along information to the next generation and investing in the next generation. And I love it. I, it's one of my favorite memories, but we're going to get into even a little bit deeper whoa, in whoa, moments, whoa. Uh, but we're going to take a quick little recess and we're going to flip open to second Corinthians. Um, the apostle Paul, like we said, is writing to the church at Corinth. Um, and he brings up a section that, um, it hits home every single time I read it. And so understand that as me and Evan were prepping, um, we don't have everything together. Shocker. Um, we are humans. Well, speak just for like yourself. Evan. Oh, my bad. We're humans just like everybody else, which means we have a sinful nature. Doesn't mean we have to sin, but it means that we probably will at some point or another. Um, and Paul, he writes, um, in Second Corinthians, and we kind of want to reiterate, that part, of, one of the themes is that you know pastors are just as human as everybody else, uh, and we have things to work on. But Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verses eight through twelve, um, just this idea of godly repentance. Hmm. Repentance isn't me saying sorry and continuing to hurt somebody. Repentance is uh, meaning to turn the other way. 180 degrees and walk in a different way. It is this idea of leaving something and never coming back to it. And what he says in verses 8 through 12, he says, I'm not sorry that I sent this letter or the 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 letter to you, though I was sorry for it at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while. But now I'm glad I sent it, not because I hurt you, but because the pain uh, caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So what does this tell us? That when sometimes we do something and we feel sorrow or um, we feel um, maybe a little bit of conviction, that's God telling us that maybe we shouldn't have done what we did mm-hmm. and maybe we continue to hurt somebody. What I love, um, Pastor Ryan a few weeks ago, um, we, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, he, he mentioned this, um, and I, I want to take a little bit of credit because I mentioned it to him in between services. Nice. Yeah. But really he took it and made it his own. But basically, The Holy Spirit convicts us. It never condemns us. It convicts us to repentance. It doesn't condemn us to ask for forgiveness. Repentance is turning away from something, knowing that you've been forgiven. But when we have this idea of condemnation and conviction, those are two things that are completely separate. Conviction leads us to repentance. Condemnation leads us to this idea that Oh my gosh, you know, I, I I've I've hurt God and he's so angry at me. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's
0: interesting cuz the um the Greek word for convi- conviction when it's used there is aglēko, which basically means um a gecko? Egg ag, aglēko, I think is how this right. is off the top of my head. Um but it means to expose or to show fault, which yeah. I think is a really important thing because um for us in like modern English when we hear conviction outside of a a church context, it's always like someone being sentenced for a crime or going to jail or whatever it is. And the idea is that's not the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is really to um, peel back layers in our lives and to actually expose us yeah. to sin. And like you said, not for the purpose of condemning us or saying, you know, well, now you're going to hell, but rather it is to help to help show us this is where you're going, you need to turn around. Yeah. And Re- it, oh, sorry. I, I was just saying, say, how, how loving is it that
1: God does that yeah. for us? Repentance is, is a good thing. Like, I... God bless him, but we hear the people on the side of the road or at the Mariners games with signs that say, repent or burn in hell. Like that is conviction, or I'm sorry, that is condemnation, not conviction. What God is calling us to do is out of our love for him, it's a response. It's not condemnation to say, well, because he did this, I have to. It's because he did this, I get to. Yeah, I've heard it said like this, um, you know, religion says... I messed up, my dad can't find out, but a relationship, which involves repentance, says, man, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Yeah. And that is what Paul is calling us to, godly repentance.
0: Yeah, I think it's just, um, I mean, one last thing is just when when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we begin to feel a guilty conscience, however it's working, just remember that's our first instinct, and you really have to train yourself, especially if you've been going a long time in the other direction, but our almost um, non-conscious reaction, I'm trying to think of like the right word for it. Involuntary. But, yeah. Involuntary reaction to it should be instantly running to Jesus, yeah. running to God, running to prayer, um, not running away, not running deeper into sin, but rather uh, running out of it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think we're just going to continue on uh, yeah. with our readings this week. And so we're going to go into Mark chapter 12. Um, and this is... This is The reason we picked this one is because it really echoes um, the passages that, w- that we read in Deuteronomy. So to give it a little bit of context, um, what we see in all of the Gospels is that the Pharisees, uh, the scribes basically think the religious higher-ups of Jesus's day were constantly trying to trap Jesus on technicalities of the law. And so you'll see um, one of my favorite things is like a man is blind and Jesus, walk, I believe he's blind or he's lame. He's one of the two. Um, but Jesus walks by and he's like, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus like reaches down. He must've been lame. Cause I think he picks him up. Yeah. He walks, he takes his mat, he goes away. And then, you know, everyone around is like, wow, that's incredible. This man hasn't been able to walk in years. Jesus healed him. And the scribes are just like, hmm, it's the Sabbath.
1: Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> like, they broke the law. Like
0: you're really missing, uh, the forest for the trees here. But, Time and time again, um, as again, we've read through three of the Gospels now and we're reading through Mark. You'll just see it come up. Um, but I wanted to read this passage. Can we just pause real quick? Let's like, pause. I just,
1: Every time, I think it's just, <laughs> it, I, I I can't help but laugh because it's like these people, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I'm laughing at this, but I think it's a, it's a lesson we can learn. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, we get so caught up in pointing out how other people are doing the wrong thing. Because it doesn't fit into what our context of church looks like. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a youth pastor, it's funny. Um, it, it's just, it's just something that's on my mind. Um, there's a, there's an organization called Young Life. You've heard of Young Life. Yeah. I'm assuming. And it's so funny because I was talking to another pastor and they're like, um, and this pastor is not at any way, shape or form involved with our church, by the way. So I don't <laughs> want you to think it's somebody on our staff, but it was, it was essentially it was, oh yeah, I don't like Young Life because they don't, um, spiritually disciple these kids. And I'm like, yo, Young Life was never there to bring students to that deep spiritual place. Young Life is opening the door. Sure. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to these guys. He goes, yo, I'm opening the door for people. And you're sitting here saying, well, I wouldn't do it like that. Well, I wouldn't do it in this way. And Jesus is like, man, you're completely missing the point. Yeah. It's about showing people my love and and having them experience Everything I have for them.
0: And and really what we see uh, with this group of people is is what we talked about. It's they followed the letter of the law. They even added things onto the law that they did that the Bible never talks about. Um, but they don't have love mm-hmm. for people. They don't have love in their hearts, even for God necessarily. It's just this kind of strict um, religiousness that they're yeah. going through. But to, with, with mo- no more ado, uh, in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, it says this. And one of the scribes that came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So basically someone comes up to Jesus, and says, hey, Jesus, out of all the commandments in the law, which one is the most important? And Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord, your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're a right teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other beside him. And to love him with the, all the heart and with all of the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered wisely and he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one after that dared ask him any more questions. And so I think it's really interesting because even in this one, the normal setup that we see is Pharisees just trying to trap Jesus, all these different things. And then Really, this one, in the midst of all of that that's going on, he comes up, he asks a legit question, Jesus, which one is the most important? And then after Jesus answers, he answers back. And then Jesus tells him, which I think is really telling, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Or in other words, um, you get it. Yeah. Like you're understanding that all of the law is there, but if you boil it down to its essence, it's about loving God and loving people.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you a question on this. Sure, sure. <laughs> because maybe this... and, and- I was just laughing when he responds to Jesus and he says, you're right. Okay. And I started laughing. Yeah. But then actually I started thinking, this guy, you can actually kind of read into his heart. I think that he was actually testing Jesus, not in a a negative prideful sense, but I think in a sense of like, hey, let me see if you know what you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Do you think that maybe is kind of why he's asking this question?
0: I have to I have to go a little bit deeper, but it seems like that's what's you know, going on, yeah.
1: Because so often, because of the re- and, and it kind of just is so indicative of the response of Jesus, it's so different than normal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so it's so not the way that Jesus would respond. When especially at the end, when he says you're not far from the kingdom of God, he usually calls him like a brood of vipers or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Well, it's... I think
0: like even when um when I was first starting off the research for it, because I think I even put it in my notes and I forgot to take it out. But like my assumption was like, oh, these guys are trying to trap him yeah. right now. And nice. you think like, and I even talked about it a little bit in the intro. But then when you actually read into what's going on, it at first it starts off seeing like, oh, here comes someone else trying to trap Jesus into the thing, and all of a sudden it turns into this beautiful exchange where really they they talk about it's about loving God and it's about loving people and if we lose those things um mm-hmm. in one of the the pauline epistles it talks about how uh in first corinthians we actually just read through it if you don't have love you're like a clanging symbol yeah which i don't know if you've ever been around a clanging symbol by itself pretty annoying not great yeah you're a drummer you know <laughs> you
1: know what that's like yeah. <laughs> it's pretty horrible and um man i just yeah i just i was laughing at first because this scribe is you know not to reiterate myself but basically the scribe is saying yeah you're right which, Jesus, and like, I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, of course he's right. He's Jesus. But then I'm thinking, like, deeper. Like, I feel like this is a guy, he finally gets it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And I think we can tell also by Jesus' response, he reaffirms him. He goes, yeah, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Yeah, we You for- get it.
0: We forget, too, that um, – because a lot of times we just say, like, generically, like, the Pharisees or whatever it is. But there were Pharisees who – um bought into Jesus. Yeah. Like Joseph of uh, Arimathea. Yeah. uh um, among others.
1: Wouldn't that be a crazy coincidence if this guy was Okay, I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> not going to speculate. That's, let's move on. All, All right. right, great. <clears throat> Our last section that we're going to focus on today is Psalm 64. Um and really just I want to focus on the last couple verses here and it's just a reminder. I know every single time I think the Psalms are good at reminding us who God is. I don't think we need to look for massive theo- theological truth in them. I think sometimes they can just be an encouragement to us, um, and I think that is very profoundly theological. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and verse sixty or verse sixty four, chapter sixty four, Psalm sixty four, verse ten just closes with this: "The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in Him, and those who do what is right will praise Him." And this just goes back. We if you've been along this journey with us so far. A lot of the Psalms are declaration of God and his protection for us. Man, what I love about this Easter season is we can literally get so caught up in, in like the eggs and the baskets. And, and, but what I love about this Easter season is that this is God redeeming us. Yeah. This Psalm is the godly will rejoice in the Lord. And they will find shelter in Him. God is our protection. He's our strength. He cares for us. And as we're leaving here, as we're we're going into this new Easter season, man, may we never forget what it's about. It's about our God coming to us because He cared for us and He gave us protection and shelter through His Son Jesus.
0: Yeah, there's a reason that uh, Jesus is often referred to as a shepherd, and we're referred to as a sheep. Um, sheep are pretty helpless. Like when they're when they're out in the wild. We've talked about how they're done before, so you don't need to re- reiterate all of that. But um just existing like as animals. Um if predators wanted to get to them, they could get there pretty easily. Um mm-hmm. but the and the, the image it creates is really just kind of um these helpless creatures who are being protected by mm-hmm. someone who, who cares about them. Yeah. And 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 for us it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um we can't do this without Jesus, but the Lord is our shepherd.
1: Yeah. And with that, let's – I mean, I'll get a little into the history of, of why David would – write. I believe this is David. Sorry. Yeah, it's a—it's David. I just checked. Um, Sorry, I want to make sure I said that correctly. Quick check. Um, but as David's writing this, we have to remember that um, Israel is constantly at war. And so when he says that the godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him – Um, That speaks to a reality of a lot of what these people's view of who God is, Hmm. because I'm sure a lot of them are saying, God, if you truly love us and if you truly called us, why are so many people coming against us? And David is reminding them, yo, our God is our shelter. He says it in other Psalms too. Our God is a fortress, a strong tower where we can go in and find protection. It's just a reiteration of it in Psalm 64 is that the godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him. And those who do what is right will praise him. And I think that's such a great encouragement as we face battles of our, in our life, as we face battles going forward, you know, this, this Easter season, some of us are going to be in contact with family members (laughs) that we don't necessarily like. It's just a reminder that our God is our shelter and he's our protector. Yeah.
0: Well, I can't think of a, A better way to wrap up this week's podcast. Um, Just a quick reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. So, if you want to check out other resources and other podcasts that we offer, you can go to our website at grove.church. And we say this every week, but we really do encourage you to, uh, if you have been enjoying coming on this journey with us leave us a review uh if you write a review promise we'll read them uh we really uh just enjoy going through all those different things but it helps get get us out there on the different platforms and really build a a larger community of people reading the bible together Um, and with that being said thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week